I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of collaborations and ones that, that I've had, you're so scared to tread on those waters because it might break the relationship. And I think we feel because we're just partners in every which way and every part of life, we are you know, committed to, to this, both as collaborators and in every other way. Hello, and welcome to Art Restart, where we explore how artists are reinventing their fields and building a new landscape for the arts. I'm Piercarlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Thomas S. Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. In this episode, we'll be hearing from two guests, dancer and choreographer Lauren Edson and musician and composer Andrew Stensis. Lauren and Andrew co-lead the remarkable multimedia arts company LED in Boise, Idaho with Lauren acting as its artistic director and Andrew as the creative director. Lauren is a UNCSA alumna who also trained at Juilliard before dancing with renowned company Trey McIntyre Projects for many years. Andrew is a self-taught musician and composer who played with two critically acclaimed bands, one in Portland, Oregon, the other one in Boise, before establishing himself as a teacher and composer-songwriter at Boise Rock School. The two founded LED in 2015, and the company quickly started earning accolades in its hometown and in venues throughout the Western U.S. In 2020, Dance Magazine included LED in its influential 25 to watch list, but it wouldn't be accurate to call LED a dance company, Instead, what Lauren and Andrew have built is a creative laboratory that accommodates each of their artistic backgrounds and interests. Their company challenges them to keep exploring, whether through live performance, film, or community happenings, and always with movement and music at the core. I should add that LED's live performances almost always have live music, and the music you're currently hearing is a piece composed by Andrew. Also, one more thing, I may have buried the lead. Lauren and Andrew are co-leaders in another fundamental way. They are married and are parents to two very young children. They both spoke to me from their home in Boise. I started the interview by asking them how they developed the outlines of what their company would eventually become. I think from the from the very beginning, Andrew and I talked about having a container, a creative container for the work that we're interested in. And we definitely wanted to make sure that we felt like it was so open that it would allow for us to evolve as artists and to evolve as a company. I think I had learned from previous experiences that the more that you box yourself in, the more that you're kind of beholden to those things that you say you profess that you're going to do and we really are interested in art making and artists and we wanted to create a space that would allow for there to be many iterations of that and for us keeping that open has been really wonderful I I know personally for me, as I've, you know, moved from creating work for stage and now become really interested for work on camera, I think that just being open, whether we state that in the company or as artists, it 
artists, it just provides ourselves the ability to grow um, naturally. And I think that's been a really positive thing too, especially during the pandemic as we've been, you know, just, we've been forced to navigate with a real ingenuity. And um, luckily our company was set up to serve that. And we'll talk more about that, about the, the last two years and how you both uh, remain flexible enough to work through them. I think for one is that we initially going into the pandemic, we had planned to do a film. So that part of it was kind of working out based off of what was happening in the world and what we had planned to do. And so we just were extra cautious and made sure that safety came first when we started shooting the film. We only had six days in the Morrison Center. And with the Morrison Center, we have to set it up about a year out. So we already had these dates. and oh, So there was no way you were going to reschedule. You had them, you were going to stick with them. Yes. And and through the Morrison Center, there's an endowment that basically alleviates the cost of the theater for artists and the community. It was one of those opportunities that we can't push away. Now, if we had to, we, and we were hoping and praying every every time we went in there that tests would come back negative and everybody would be safe. And thank goodness that was the case. Lauren just did a great job about setting up the specific pods for people. And, and everybody was very compliant and respectful of that process of keeping themselves quarantined for the most part during uh, the, the weekends uh, that we shot. And so we were able to create this film during the scariest aspects of the pandemic at the time, because it was all this elusive, this thing that was happening. And, and, and so we were, we kept pretty busy. But, yeah. Go ahead. Love. I was just going to say, though, I think that at the very beginning there for us, we also have two young boys. Oh, and so yeah. there was, um, that's a big part. I think that, that, uh, immediacy of, you felt like, okay, we're, we're just gonna, we're hunkering down. We're at home. We're teaching our, you had to homeschool, I'm guessing. Yeah. We were fully homeschooling and teaching our son how to read. And it was a really great reminder of how our creative juices can be served in other ways. And I think that to, for me, you know, as difficult as it was, um, it did, I think, really provide a nourishment as we then got back into creating or imagining spaces of projects. Because initially, yeah, it felt like while there was this kind of safety in, in being able to pursue this film project we had talked about, there was also just great unknown and fear. And I think as artists, just having a daily mirror in these little people, for me personally, felt like the touchstone that we needed during that time to then imagine that these little, these small things could eventually amount to something bigger. I'd love to talk more about you, the way you co-lead. Co-leadership is becoming more common throughout performing arts organizations these days. But as you know, your case is remarkable in that not only are you married, but you come from different disciplines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about how you negotiated how you're both going to co-lead and how that's evolved over the years. I really feel like one thing that makes our work feel really 
wholly unique is the the fact that we do come from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. um, often Andrew's perspective on what I'm creating forces me to get out of sometimes this sort of dance feedback loop that I, I feel maybe just by um, nature of being in dance for so long. And I love it so much. And there's such a culture there that is so beautiful and rich. And yet I feel sometimes that I'm trying to aspire in the works that I make to touch on something that the music is providing, either live music or orchestrations or scores. Like there's something that feels just so otherworldly and transcendent, I guess, in what I'm hearing from the music. And so I feel like just having that integrated from the very beginning um, makes the works stand out, whether we intend for them to or not. It's I, I feel in some ways that it, it doesn't feel like it exists necessarily in a the dance ecosystem so clearly because it's coming from a different space. And then I, I also feel like being married is well challenging in and of itself because they're we really <laughs> we are I mean and it's so so good we yet it's so hard you know but it's worth it I mean I think that's the beauty of being collaborators and partners in every sense yeah we're we're able to really things can get messy and we can hurt each other's feelings but know that they come from you know love and care and just wanting to make the the best thing that we can. And I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of collaborations and ones that, that I've had, you're so scared to tread on those waters because it might break the relationship. And I think we feel because we're just partners in every which way and every part of life, we are you know committed to, to this, both as collaborators and in every other way. Mm-hmm. How do your company members handle it? Because there must be sometimes maybe like, uh-oh, mommy and daddy are mad at us. <laughs> You know, there's, it's a strange, it must be a, uh, an odd feeling to be led by a husband and wife team, maybe. Uh, yeah. Sure. And I, I, the band, there are specific dancers too, that we, we get involved and by day two or three, they're calling me dad or <laughs> I don't know if they do that to Lauren as much, but uh, I come in and. <laughs> say something and then I'm dad, but it's, they're, they're intimately involved in the process. And so we try to make sure that the vast majority of what we've created haven't been had many internal conflicts go on within the, in the process of making the work, at least that we are not exposing the, uh, all the, the people that are part of it to it, but sometimes, yeah, it does. And, but I think that that friction, especially with us being partners and everything, we, when we get to those places, I don't think we passively comb over it and the tension's still in the air, but nothing's been resolved. Lauren and I'll resolve it right there <laughs> and people will participate. But it's very, I don't think that we're like, we're, we're never like screaming at each other, but th- there's definitely this, I feel like the people involved can sometimes, they feel like it's safe enough for them to have a suggestion or say something or, you know, participate in it. And then we can take that home and figure it out. But being married and collaborating and creating art together, I think if we were both choreographers or musicians, it would be more difficult. I think that the fact that we speak these two different languages in this 
is because she'll often, like she said about my take on my perspective on specific movement, she does the same for me musically, but she has dance is different in the sense that it seems like everybody to some degree with music has some intellectual level of understanding of it. You know, when something's good, you know, when something's unique, just based off of exposure and dance is a bit different because it is more of a niche uh, medium when it comes to just the broad range of art that exists. And so, but she often, she's turned me on to so many different artists over the years that have become influences. And I think as far as the partnerships concerned with it, I think that the rawness and any of the friction that we have is so exposed that it, it, it's not threatening. It's just serve. And and we've learned over the years too, how to serve a work, not ourselves in that way. We're at least we're, that's the, the ultimate goal. Right. Yeah. And so. And I would just add that. I mean, I, I think the dancers and the artists and the designers and everyone who is a part of any project sees that, you know, we, we really try to just assemble a group that we can trust and who are experts in their own field and then mm-hmm. uh, let them kind of, I guess, just trust in that process and know that we yeah. have confidence in them. And uh, because really our company is really just Andrew and I, in terms of just like the full-time bones of it, but being able to bring on artists project by project, I think also just inherently makes everybody super excited about that thing because it's like we're bringing the band together for the summer or something to just like make this thing and it it doesn't it it never feels like you're in this sort of slog you know because we we try we really try to infuse that process the best we can with that sort of fervor that we had when we made our first thing. And, you know, we're, we're getting older, so I don't know how successful that is, but it feels definitely like the artists are excited to be a part of whatever project is percolating. Lauren, I'd love to hear about what it's been like to go back and do your work in your hometown and what the advantages and disadvantages might've been. I feel like the advantages have been that I have a history here. I studied here. I have danced here for so long and having danced with Trey McIntyre Project, I know a lot of people and there have been a lot of people who have supported me and the company along the way. I think on the flip side, that is the same disadvantage. That is a disadvantage as well. I mean, I I think that as a hometown person, it feels like people can really celebrate the fact that I'm homegrown, yet also feel that it they can't be that good if she's from here. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I feel uh, I feel a little bit, and you know, I this is all. I don't really know, I guess this is my sort of perception, it feels like sometimes, but I think for us, we are very much about pushing the culture here and pushing, really taking big swings and and risks, whether we know it or not. We're really just trying to create work that speaks to us and feels like it's genuine and coming from an honest place and that these artists involved are, are taking that leap with us as well. And I'd say that the it feels like the response has been sort of like it's a balm a little bit. And I think for a lot of people, they want work that 
speaks boldly and doesn't um, yet doesn't I think try um, we're not trying to craft something that is inherently I guess uh, like cutting edge I hate that term cutting edge we're definitely not <laughs> trying to do that but it feels like it's just been in the makeup of the company and and what we want to see. We wanted to create something that we didn't see here. And so I feel like that's kind of an amalgamation of all the places both Andrew and I have lived and worked and, and also the artists who we really love. And because Boise is kind of an island in some ways in terms of, you know, its proximity, lack of proximity to other big cities, Seattle and Portland maybe being the closest, it feels like we have kind of this ability to harness people's attention in a way that other cities might not because it's really not very saturated with that that many companies or artists. Unfortunately, we want we want to help kind of build that ecosystem of artists if we can. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that LED has done is you're not doing the planned season model, which is so common with other performance and dance companies. What lessons do you think you've learned that could benefit other contemporary performance companies your size? I think personally, because you know, Andrew and I are um, we're the artists as well as you know we're having we make the content for almost everything that we do. And so being project-based allows us the creative space in order to take on projects that are of real interest and um, to us. From a economical standpoint, it has been really a great model because we only take on projects that we can afford to do really or that we can sustainability we're I mean we're really just we're we're really just trying to be as you know sustainable as we can and and think clearly about what growth looks like I mean we we really believe that the growth comes from just making good quality art and so we try with each like small batch to make those pieces as good as we can and inevitably the growth will come from you know but we want to make sure that we're prepared in a way that is not that growth is not beyond our bandwidth and that it's not asking things of us that we don't really want to do <laughs> so i think that you know if, um i i saw it in a company that i was a part of as the company grows in its patronage and administration and grants and all those things that are exciting but it can also be, unfortunately, too much to sustain. And then creatively, you end up losing that creative juice. And I, I think for us, we're really just trying to take steps that are cognizant of, of what we need as a company and as artists. And I think it allows us to take bigger swings too, ambitiously. Like we we don't have any, our board is fully supportive of what we choose to do artistically and gives us the captain's hat for that. But also like with what Lauren says, having, you can through, through developing and, and having your eyes set on becoming a larger organization. I mean, yeah, that's, that's obviously a great thing too. It's just, uh, we have, a, we have a pretty nimble boat that we can flip on a dime when things get messy or hairy and economically and all these things. So we, 
it's just like we've just said before, the sustainability part, but also being able to work with larger organizations in the community in a way that where if we want to do something uh, during their off season, like a Bally Idaho, for example, we're friends with the, the artistic director there. We can collaborate with them in the sense of, you know, we, we have more work for your dancers when they're not working. And those types of uh, avenues are beneficial too for a company that doesn't just set their season up right out of the gate. So what I've heard you say a lot in this interview is that you definitely, you want to avoid becoming calcified and you want to, you wanted to create a company that was going to keep challenging, challenging you to evolve. Yes. And so I'm wondering if you can tell me if each of you, how, how you're looking forward to evolving next. Is there a project you're looking forward to that'll get you to flex a new muscle for you? Yes. I think every project we've gone in for the last seven years has required that. And I th- and this next work we're doing is going to be unique in that sense as well, uh, that we're working out for our November show at the Morrison Center is going to emphasize, at least we're talking about it, um, that it will emphasize the music portion of it more and the way with which we work with dancers in that will be different than what we've ever done before, which is it's very difficult to try to, you know, have the band be right in the middle of where the performing's happening. And so we're, we're trying to um, jump on that next evolutionary step with having the band perform as the centerpiece with the movement surrounding that and participating in that, in that way. We're still talking about it. I don't want to, <laughs> Lori. We're still talking about it. Oh no, I'm in. I'm fully in. I know I, you are. Uh, <laughs> um, I think this was actually recently. Just I, there was somebody on a, a on a Facebook post that we were marketing our film, and they a troll wrote dances cringe, and this. Um, <laughs> This this has stuck with me, and and you know I actually created a work just for a Tree Fort Music Fest last month that kind of explored this idea and how it was kind of an awakening for me to then do some deep dives researching that for some people, which I was unaware because I'm fully in the dance circle uh, that dance is is cringe and it's a difficult <laughs> thing to partake in uh, i guess if you're not um if that's not part of your being or that you you know feel limited by dance or you're scared or fearful or that just by watching someone dance i think that for me felt like a real catalyst to explore how dance can be fully inclusive and how how do we bring how do we bridge that gap between an audience member who feels disconnected or so far from a performer moving and really allow for that person to embrace their own physicality and their own dance. And I, I think this was, this sort of thing just set this off in my mind as in more of how to explore that on stage and on film and on uh, in experience. So in this recent piece of yours, how did, how did you explore that? So it, it started as a roving experience where we had essentially a, <laughs> we had a leader of the dance family who was 
kind of, it was kind of like a dance cult, uh, for lack of a better <laughs> word. Um, and, uh, no, this, it was this, that it was a dance cult. <laughs> it yeah. Was fantastic. This, this person, um, that, so you well, leaned into the cringe thing. That's fantastic. We yeah. totally leaned. The into name the of the piece thing. was dance is cringe. Yeah. We have oh, t-shirts. Okay. We'll have to send yeah. you one. And yeah. so the leader, this was really the first, one of the first times that I've collaborated with someone who wasn't Andrew, but Elijah Jensen Lindsay is a musician himself and he was the leader and he actually moves a lot in his performances um, as kind of just in his own groove. And so he brought the audience along this journey and in a, in a sort of poking satirical way, kind of took the sort of pomp and circumstance or any sort of elitism out of a dance performance. And by the end, we in, invited everybody out onto the stage just through a, a non-verbally, but brought them out on stage to dance. And the response really was remarkable. I It, it was in our tiny little space. And so we packed in maybe 90 people and heard for, from so many people that they have felt kind of at odds with their their bodies at times and just being spontaneous you know spontaneously being brought onto the stage to dance in a in a way that they felt like they they could that they felt like there was zero pressure or judgment or artifice and i think that to me felt like an incredibly successful thing and and to just watch it happen so organically was really beautiful and that it came from this one seed of someone saying dance is cringe I felt like was such redemption in a way and that it just was also it just felt so good and people needed it especially after the last two years it was just really heartwarming to see trolls can be an inspiration (laughs) (laughs) no right If you'd like to learn more about Lauren and Andrew and LED and read a longer version of this interview, just head to uncsa.edu slash artrestart. If you have a few minutes to spare, also be sure to check out ledboise.com to enjoy some of LED's films and music. And if you happen to be in Boise on June 24th, you should definitely visit Boise. It's a cool town. Go to the Idaho Botanical Gardens, where LED will be premiering a piece titled Fresh Cuts. Special thanks to Andrew for letting us use some of his music in this episode. And hey, do me a favor, won't you? Would you let somebody know about this podcast and the amazing artists we profile? Thank you. (laughs) Our theme music is by Shanghai Restoration Project. I'm Piercarlo Talenti. And on behalf of the Keenan Institute for the Arts, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>